Welcome to Design Your Life, the podcast where we explore the essential role design plays in our everyday lives. And how, if harnessed correctly, has the power to positively transform the way that we live, design better businesses and sustainable solutions for the planet. We speak to creative entrepreneurs around the world about how they inspire their ideas to life and how they make it all work and the role design plays in their lives. I'm your host, founder of Frost Collective and author of Design Your Life, Vince Frost. Welcome to today's episode of Design Your Life. Today I catch up with my client turned friend, Ben Kerr. Tune in as we chat about his phenomenal business, Eco Outdoor. Australia's leading natural architectural surfaces and outdoor furniture company, with showrooms across Australia, New Zealand, and Los Angeles. What I admire most about Ben is his absolute passion for his business, ability to spot potential in people from other professions who can elevate Eco Outdoor and his relentless drive to be the best at what they do. Hey, Ben. Hi, Vince. <laughs> it's so cool to see you here today. Yeah. Welcome to Design Your Life. Thanks very much. Thanks for We're, having me. Yeah, it's cool. It's lovely to see you. Um, you turned to a good friend now, which is really nice to have a friend, be a friend, live in a similar place up in Avalon. Yeah. Uh, we met during COVID um, at the coffee van there, which is really cool on the South Head. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it's really a wonderful place and it was really cool to kind of bump into you and then hear about your business and what you're doing and all that and phenomenal business that you have. How long have you been living in Avalon? Oh, I've been in Avalon now about 11 years so it happened fairly spontaneously but yeah I'm loving it. But being a Melbourne boy now living in the Northern Beaches uh, it's a, a different different environment but fantastic. Love, really love it. And I can't remember you surf or not surf? Oh, no, I don't surf. You've got the hair for oh, I've got the hair for I look like I surf, but I don't really surf. Look, I've got a few boards. I don't so they get used that, very, that often, no. Yeah. Uh, it's such a surfing community up there too, and it's so incredibly beautiful. We're very lucky to, to be able to go there and live there. You're the founder of Eco Outdoor. Yep. Uh, which I guess you started in Melbourne, is that right? Yeah, we started in Melbourne, yeah. I'm from Melbourne. Started in Melbourne a long time ago now, making me feel old. But yeah, a bit over 20 years ago. And have you always been passionate about materials and architecture? Uh, you know what? It's funny. I, I don't think you, you as a, a young teenager into a young man dream about selling rocks but I, I, it, it, <laughs> but but it's definitely become a passion and I think it you know I, I think passions emerge sometimes and you, you allow yourself to be exposed to things so I, I wouldn't say it was a passion as a teenager but uh, it's definitely my passion uh, for the last 20 years yeah so what what did you start off doing in the early days oh well I, I was sort of a bit of a mix I was from Melbourne originally lived in Brisbane for a bit Back in Melbourne, uh, then I was doing high school, and then I was studied in London. Uh, studied history, economics, and politics. So, very related to design industry. Um, no, actually, there are some parallels. But um, uh, and my first job out of uni was actually working as a political researcher on TV shows. So that which is very different. I can't imagine that. Oh uh, yeah, well, you, no. No, I'm not <laughs> smart enough for that. No, no, you're definitely smart. <laughs> no, it feels actually I'm not because I, I had a great job when I finished uni uh, for this show uh, called Sunday, which is a political chat, religious slash show. And then uh, I was loving that and I thought oh, I'll go for a job as pa with Panorama, which is, uh, obviously Panorama is a bit like uh, 60 Minutes. But I flunked the interview. I, I didn't really prepare. I was still only 21, 20, 21. So and, and they asked me to name the full cabinet and I said, I'm into politics, but... 
I'm not ready for that. So, uh, so that was a bit of a kick in the guts. But anyway, that's that was a bit mean. <laughs> yeah, well, you could have picked that up. Well, quickly. I didn't do my research. I didn't do my prep very well for it. Wow. So, and then, so you studied politics. That's kind of a. Is, is it still relevant in the industry you're in now? Like it's. Uh, yeah, quite interesting yeah, kind of change. You know, I think the thing for me, I guess what I was interested in politics, I wasn't really so much interested in politics per se, but more social policy, uh, which is really about problem solving. Um, so I guess what inspires me in life is to continually learn, to listen, to think about how you can do things differently, uh, whether it's, and you apply that in different ways. I mean, I apply that in business, but, uh, you know, I'm still interested in politics, still interested in, you know, policy, you know, dealing with the housing crisis now, how do we deal with that, you know, education. So for me, it's, uh, I guess, a thirst for learning, listening, uh, and trying to imagine the way you can restructure things, really. So I guess it's a parallel for me, you know. Yeah, Um, I guess it's absolutely relevant for your business. Yeah. You're such an entrepreneur too. It's kind of rare for me to meet someone who's so entrepreneurial and creative and deeply passionate about what you do in your business and your culture. Yeah. And we were very fortunate enough to have an opportunity to help you refresh your brand. So not only kind of met you as a friend, but also got to know your business and was incredibly uh, impressed by the energy of your business and, and its kind of passion around materials and, and doing things really, really well. Mm-hmm. And I know how hard that is. That's yeah. really hard. Business is hard. Yeah. Um, and you, you seem to make it look easy. And I kind of wonder how... That transition from you know doing politics at a very young age, or um, you know being in that kind of uh, field, um, shifting not doing politics. You weren't doing politics. No, I wasn't doing politics. <laughs> you were on a TV show. Um, just that shift from from that into starting your own business. How did that come about? I left London, came back to Australia. Uh, I worked. Uh, I had a, originally had a background in furniture in, in the sense of my family upbringing. My grandfather had a very large manufacturing business in Australia originally, so in furniture. It was sort of in the vein, so to speak. Uh, but I came back and worked for a, uh, a guy called Bill Guest in Melbourne who had a chain of furniture stores. Um, and I really worked across his businesses. Uh, I guess I was pretty pretty young, to be honest. I was still only 22, so I didn't know too much. But I, I guess I had a lot of ideas and a lot of energy, so I did that. And then uh, I actually decided I'd leave that business, and, and I thought I'd go back into politics. So I started doing a, a master's in social policy. I didn't love that. It, 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 I felt like the master's in Melbourne was more about policy and how to get things through and you know the political process. It wasn't really my thing. I was more interested in how do you do things better? How do you redesign the education system? How do you deal with health? You know, how do you deal with the issues of equity and equality and efficiency and balance? So, so I wasn't loving that. And then Bill rang me and said, oh, actually, we're looking at selling the business to a public company, Freedom Furniture at the time. So he said, do you want to come and help pitch the business? And I thought, why not? I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, so I sort of helped, was involved in that process, uh, which is fun. Um, he successfully sold that business. Then I worked for them as their marketing manager for those two brands under the Freedom Group. So it wasn't for the, as a Freedom Marketing Manager, but for the brands that they bought. So I did that for about a year. Uh, learned a lot. Uh, I learned that I don't want to work for a big public company, and that it wasn't my thing. So um, my, it was my brother uh, was a landscaper, and so I sort of said, "Oh well, why don't I help you set up your business?" It was when the GST came in in 2000, so I sort of did that for a bit, but then quickly saw that I, you know, I thought I'd get fit, get on the tools, 
but I'm not very practical. I can't swing a hammer to save myself. <laughs> so, and I didn't think I could add much more value. So really, but I did see an opportunity in product, in in uh, especially in exterior uh, um, product, because you know it felt to me that the market there was tile shops that were very internally focused, very bathroom, not much personality, re- selling a lot of rebranded products from Europe, or there was building yards, and so I kind of felt there was a need for the people wanting to invest in their exterior space, invest in their home in a different way. And they were looking for a more sophisticated, more innovative and, and looking for more ideas really around products. So that's how we started. So, so that's quite a shift. I mean, I think that I've, I'm still learning about business today. You know, I'm 30 years into my business. Me too. <laughs> but, yeah, but how come people were asking you at 21, 22 to help them with their business? That's really young and like you made, so obviously made some quite imp- impact on their businesses. Uh, to, well, to, the, to then change and shift your your brother's well, business. We, no, well, well, I think the issue for me, you know, what, what is business all about? It's all about listening, looking for opportunities. It's about, about seeing where there's problems or dysfunction in a market or an industry or uh, or where there's opportunities. And so for me, I guess I'm an inquisitive person, so I sort of can't turn my brain off in many ways. So I'm always thinking about you know, how can we do things differently? And so that is, I guess, is more natural than taught. The desire to learn, to inquire, to be curious, for me, is fundamental uh, in, in business, but also in starting a business, it's really important. So how did you come up with the, the name Eco Outdoor? Does that Was that existing? No, okay. So my business partner uh, uh, in Melbourne, Ross Eckersley, his brother, Rick Eckersley, had a design business actually 20 years prior to Eco beginning, uh, which is called Eco Design, so which really come from an ecology perspective. So, And that actually start, dabbled in doing some products, some, some pebbles and some paint, um, and that was really um, how it originated. So we sort of kept that brand, and we originally, the first product we were selling was pebbles. So Eco Pebbles was the first start, but we sort of moved on from there. Actually, it was called Eco Concepts, to be honest. And then oh, after about five years, I thought, oh, that's just a bit nebulous and concepts just sounds a bit waffly. So we sort of, you know, I'm a big believer in staking a flag in the sand, in the sand and kind of, you know, stand out for what something that people can emotionally connect with. So that was where we really focused on Eco Outdoor. And you built a phenomenal business and, and you have incredible people in your team. And that's, you know, a testament to your passion, energy and direction. What, what scale is the business now? Oh, scale the business. So we're a, a bit over 100 people. Um, we're in uh, throughout Australia. We've got a, a, a new store in New Zealand, and we've also in um, Los Angeles as well. So we're sort of throughout Australia, New Zealand, and America, and we're looking at further growth in the west coast of the US. Yeah, and they're and they're incredible showrooms. I remember seeing you know going to the Dank Street showroom. Uh, ages ago and uh, just the scale of it the quality of it the the, the kind of the nice energy around um, around the space as well and actually going into your LA showroom as well it's really interesting to see how you managed to uh, you and the organization managed to kind of replicate that in other cities as well really really well yeah, but so they're not the same. In, but they're not the same. Are no, they? there's new. It's, but it, it feels it's the palette is similar. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah. I think the thing for me, it's all about. Uh, it's, it's weird to say emotion, but for me, you know, very much architecture is emotional. You know, how you live in a space, how you feel in a space. Materials are that way, but how you respond to colour, texture, format. Um, so I guess the commonality in the showrooms is that, you know, we tend to work on buildings that are a bit old or industrial buildings. You know, in, in the US, it's a 1950s uh, arch uh, timber ceiling building. They're all kind of semi-industrial. I guess our flavour is to say, well, how do we work with the space we're in to create uh, a sense of 
calmness, a, a sense of, you know, celebrating materials, but we're working with the space you're in. You know, we don't try and cookie cutter. Different to Aesop, you know, Aesop's got an approach that around that as well, around architecture. Ours is a little bit different, but it's similar in the sense that the bricks and mortar is a physical expression of our brand and materials, and it's a space for architects, clients, builders to uh, sort of... Um, create a hub really where they can interrelate and collaborate together so I guess the, the uniformity is really around a sense of well, I think there's a calmness to be honest they're, they're, I guess most people I, I get that a lot of people will say I feel like I want to stay in your show for yeah, a long yeah. time yeah in fact, I've been living there for the last six months <laughs> you don't even know that you've got a great kitchen well there's a housing show. crisis going in so I understand <laughs> that that's a well it's interesting you talked about pebbles before because it's, it's, it's interesting people you, people think it's funny but you, you can get energy from a pebble or from a rock or from a piece of wood or yeah. like there's an energy that comes from those natural products yeah, well I think we're lucky in that you know we, the emphasis of the business is really focused on natural materials whether it be wood or stone um, and so it gives you something to work off you know, so you know you, you're starting with something that's got texture, history, um, tone, um, variation, and so for us, it's well, I guess that's what's kind of nice. You sort of work, you're working with those elements. You're not sort of fighting against it, trying to create something perfect. You know, you know, our brand's not a minimalist brand. We're not about perfection. It's really almost celebrating imperfection. Yeah. And, and I guess so. Everything we do is uh, about that. No, it really is. I think that um, it's interesting too. I mean, have you found that there's been kind of uh, people picking up on on your brand and your materials and embracing that? Like, I guess you're kind of a, an ideal place to go for specifying materials for any kind of home yeah. uh, redesign or building a home or outdoor space yeah. or furniture. I mean, it's all... I guess predominantly it's kind of natural products, so it's designed to last forever, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. there's really a sense cool. of permanency about it. You know, that's why our, our focus is our business is orientated around architects and designers because they become clients who repeat have repeat business and they're kind of they're the visionaries with, you know, we work with a, 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 a quite an array of amazing visionary architects and I guess our role is to sort of how do we uh, help bring that vision to life in from a material perspective how do we work in with what they're trying to achieve for their clients the spaces they're trying to create for for their for their clients and how do we create uh, products that perform well but also deliver on a i guess an aesthetic a vision uh, i guess the way that the architect sees the client living in the home yeah i guess you guys constantly kind of scour the earth for products new products or uh, finding materials to entice or add to that palette uh, for the architect's kind of decision making. Yeah, well, I, you know, you, you go back to the politics and the history. You know, I loved history as well. I wouldn't say I'm an amazing uh, essay writer, uh, but I love history, particularly modern history. But um, I think, you know, for me, we, in terms of inspiration for products, you're always searching for fresh inspiration. And part of that comes from history. You know, there's nothing new under the sun, but it's about how you reinterpret that, how you uh, create a new nuance for that relevant to where we how and how we live now. So I think the explorations, I love travel, I love meeting people. Um, so I think, but I think history is really important, looking back how things have been built in the past. Uh, you know, it astounds me, you know, I mean, uh, what people have done in the past, incredible feats, which we wouldn't have trying to accomplish now um, but we learn from that and the same thing you know because we're working with designers and architects we're really trying to respond to the, the, I guess uh, where they're wanting to see products move towards as well in design 
And what trends are happening right now? I mean, have, have you have you found that the trends have happened since you started the business have changed over time, or or is there predominantly just kind of a continuing kind of specification of of kind of your core materials? Um, in, in terms of materials or in terms of design, how oh, materials used in design? Yeah. Well, I think in terms of um, design, I, I mean, there's lots of trends. I'd say. I mean, there's definitely a sense of design becoming more homogenous globally. Whether that's good or bad, I'm not sure. But there's definitely a, a flavour where the relevancy of what we're building in Australia is similar to the US. It's, to be honest, it's similar to what's being built in Belgium. You know, um, you get little design pockets all around the world, and you see there's a kind of a uniformity, or there's sort of I almost see business more like it's tribes that exist in different locations. Yeah, yeah, and really yeah. what we're trying to do is we don't appeal to all people at all, for no absolutely no way. But we appeal to a certain type of personality type, and what we're what we try to do in the business is how do we work within that tribe and then find where those other tribes exist, I guess, really. Is sort of a, and in terms of products, I think people are definitely wanting architecture to be, or products used in architecture to be forgiving, uh, to have a sense of uh, making the, the response that they feel of it. You know, in this, I think people should feel at home, literally at home. And what I mean by that is they should feel comfortable in their space. And so, for me, I think working with materials that are not perfect, that do have character, that are unique, uh, that have distressed finishes, or they're not they're not regular in size. Uh, they're, they're a bit more relaxed, I say, a bit more forgiving. You know, we're seeing things like even in your house, Vince. You've used you know crazy paving or flagstone, as Americans would use, say, inside a house. Uh, that's a different adaption. You know, it's a big, and what are you doing? Why did you use the crazy paving inside, Vince? As an example, are you interviewing me? Yeah. Well, um, I'm interested to know what, 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 why, what was motivating uh, you. Well, I just, I've, I, I just saw the product. I think in your showroom, yeah. and and it's kind of hard to imagine it in your home, but definitely what it was. It's this kind of '70s kind of uh, bungalow in a way, beach house, um, and to just see it at that scale across every single room, bathrooms, living room, front room, etc. It's just fantastic. And I, I literally, I know it's your product, but I just love it. You know, when you love it so much, I love my home more. I love being there more. I love the fact how it's so, every single piece is unique and and the light on it is changing all the time. And it, it just feels kind of very, um, I know it's a, it's a rock, yeah. but it's it's soft and it's comforting. It's, it's a bizarre kind of feeling to have from that. But I think that... I guess crazy paving is a trend, but it was a trend in the seventies. Yeah, that's it's right. Come uh, back that's, again. Uh, well, that's right. You know, like when you, you know, we, if you go, if you go, you walk around the Forbidden City, or you walk around China, and you look around ancient cities, crazy paving, pebbles, uh, the formats, the cut. There, there is nothing brand new. Bricks. You know, there's a, the 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 palette of materials has not shifted that much. I think it's the expression of how they're used in combination, the, uh, the, the, the format in terms of length and height and uh, the colour combination. So I think for me, uh, design is continue evolving, but it always takes something from the past and it just reinterprets it in a, in a new way. Um, but there's always strands of the past running through it. Yeah, and I think it's that kind of fact that it's actually from the earth as well, that it's, it's natural, um, that it's real, it's not kind of a fake simile. It's actually legit. Yeah. And there's something that you definitely feel a connection with. And I guess it comes back to kind of our, I guess, our positioning when we did work with you guys around. We came up with that idea of crafted with wonder or collectively with the team. And that there is a wonder. There is a wonder and a fascination around uh, materials. 
Yeah. And and how, even how it, they react in in the rain, because I mean, your a lot of your products are for outdoor outdoor living, um, which I guess is a very Australian thing too. I mean, I think Australians are very good at that, um, utilizing their outdoor spaces, or certainly they are getting better at it. Funny enough, but it's just that celebration in a way of more the materials, but how you might live your life and enjoy your life in your home and outside your home, and you know, socializing and all that that goes with that. It's something that is gives people joy, I guess, doesn't it? Yeah, well, I, you know, the, the, the craft was one thing that was, it was for me, it, it really resonates with me personally because I think it, it resonates in the way or my view of architecture or my view of design, which is really, you know, in fact, you know, I built a house about four or five years ago uh, with a guy called Pete Stutch, but I think one of yeah, them just came up before. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the first thing Pete really did was without me, which I, which I loved and with my wife and myself, was to say, well, how do you want to live? You know, uh, you know. I think you, the interesting thing is when you when you're when an architect's really working on it, designing a house, they're trying to understand how a client expects they're going to live in the house, and I think sometimes they should push that, prod that, or or because how might you live differently if, with with the architecture? So for me, the that's wonder is an amazing thing because it's imagining what could be that doesn't exist quite now. Uh, and to be honest, we then take the same approach with product. So, you know, very much, you know, my role in the business, the, I'm trying to really shed the roles in my business of kind of running the organisation because I'm just not that good at it. But, you know, what I am good at is being kind of thinking and, and kind of imagining. I guess I'm a good dreamer, maybe a daydreamer. But I'm always trying to say, well, so when we look at products, I'm always saying, well, okay, this is the how material comes out of the ground. This is the raw material. How should that material be best expressed? What size? How should we deal with the finish? Sometimes don't touch it. You know, you're keeping it very raw. Sometimes you're distressing it. So it's almost imagining the way a material should be expressed in design. Uh, and that's, you know, and then hopefully that works in with what our, what our clients are looking for as well. So you, um, so very much, and then the craft a bit's very much about then how do we do that to the best level, you know, you know, our goal is to be the, the leaders in the market. We want to make sure that the packaging and the finishing and the performance and the testing and the, um, the understanding of the product is right up there. Uh, but it's, and, and also working with artisans and how we create the product. So the, it sort of, I guess it, it resonates into, I guess our view of architecture, it resonates in our view of, uh, or my view about product, um, and design, I guess, per se. And the role that products play, you know what I mean? So, you know, very much I come back to what we talked about politics, you know, what I'm, very much what our business is about is problem solving. So if, a, if the architect has a vision, it's fantastic. Our role is to say, well, how do we problem solve to bring the right products to bring that vision to life? And you've got to consider the performance and the colours and the textures and the, and the clients and the budgets and the timeframes. But that's kind of the way we approach that. Were you always like playing in the sandbox as a kid? Like, were you always playing with materials? No, I probably was. There's a very early shot of me at three years old when my mum and dad were building a pool, and and uh, I was out there with the builders. I think I liked the uh, the coffee scrolls and the uh, and, <laughs> and I, I, I think I liked the camaraderie of building. So I quite like hanging out with builders as yeah. well. I mean, in fact, for me, I very much see building, you know, is a collaborative process. And so I guess you know, you see, an architect is a visionary, but really, I'm a big believer that you need the the tradespeople and the the, every trade on the site's got to be engaged and love the project they're working on, you know. And our guys have got to be engaged with the architect and the builders in the products we supply. So it's and then if you can get everyone on the same page with trying to bring this vision to life, I think then it, everyone's having a they're having fun, you know. They're not working. That's really good, I guess. Segue to 
it's the same with the business too, right? I mean, the business of what well, you say, you're not very good at business. Yeah. Um, but naturally, I've seen you kind of create workshops for your team, annual workshops, off sites and things like yeah. that. You're clearly passionate about bringing everybody together yeah. and, every, and, and, and heading in a, a direction and um, uh, being the best you can be re regarding that. I mean, that's something that, I mean, have you just learned that over time? I mean, that obviously has affected the success of the business because you've scaled it to yeah. multiple locations. Entering America wouldn't be any easy, wouldn't be easy to do. No. Um, and, um, you know, you're still laughing and joking and having fun doing it. Well, I think the thing for me is that, you know, what are we trying to do? We've got to have fun at work, right? And I think the thing for me, but you've got to be working on the areas where you feel that you can contribute the most and where you naturally excel, not where you naturally excel, but where you find passion and desire. So I guess my role in the business is really trying to find people and unleash them, really, as opposed to try to, but we need a bit more structure. So our business, we are getting a bit more structure. But what I've been, I guess not what I have been good at is identifying people who have a, a, a passion and try to kind of give them a jump on board. This is where we're headed. This is what we're trying to achieve. And then trying to allow them space to be the best that they can be without kind of stifling them. You know, I think in business, you don't want to overstructure. You don't want to try and, you know, and I'm not a big believer of, you know, where you're weak, try and make people strong. It's like, no, I, I don't believe in that. It's about where you're strong, celebrate that and keep going uh, and, and augment that with other skill sets, uh, which is what I'm talking about business. For me, you know, I'm passionate about product. I'm passionate about people finding new markets to go into, new products to work in. I should keep doing that. So, um, I mean, how do you balance this with your, your personal life, work yeah, life? Yeah, sometimes it's challenging. Um, yeah, I've got three boys, so I've got a, a busy family life as well. Um, I look, I, you know, for me, I'm, I'm a big believer in staying fresh. I don't really work long hours or weekends. For me, it's, you know, if you, if, I feel like if you're not fresh, you're not inspirational and, and you don't find new things. So there's an element I'm trying to always carve off time to kind of be a bit, have space for them. You know, obviously relationships are important to me, personal and professional. So yeah, that's a challenge, you know. It's a, it's a challenge with things like social media and phones, you know. Sometimes I just want to throw them in the ocean, to be honest. But, uh, I'm not a big one on social media. Uh, so, yeah, it is a challenge. And I think, I said, well, to be honest, it's a challenge for our kids. I think it's a challenge for the next generation. How do they keep attention? How do they not be distracted? How do they have time um, to contemplate? Because I think contemplation allows you to find creativity, you know. So it's that's you know. Are, are you seeing they have similar interests to you? No, I don't think so. Um, no, I, look, I, I definitely um, wouldn't want them to work in the business or, or follow them because I think they want to. They got to do their own journey. You know, they got to find their own. I don't think they want to sell rocks either. I don't think they mean they're <laughs> too sexy to be honest. Um, but no, I, I think you know, I just want them to find their own sense of who they are you know and that you know and i i think trying to emulate or follow in your father's footsteps is not a good idea personally i i, I can't see any uh, i don't i know your son works with you yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, but for me well, i kind of walked out the door damn yeah it. um but for me i kind of feel like it's important that they have their own sense of uh i guess their own their own journey to be honest and i think you know if they feel like they're following it i don't want them to follow my journey i want them to find their own journey so yeah, yeah, cool. Um, entering into the American market was that was that hard? Again, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, very much for me, um, it was opportunistic uh, in the sense that we started working with a uh, an investment bank in Chicago. We did their head office in actually we did their head office in Sydney, and they invite they said we'd love what you guys are doing. We love you, show me, Would you do our head office in Chicago? So I said, 
why not? So we did it. Anyway, I wasn't sure whether the job would happen. It did. And so it gave me a, uh, a reason to kind of explore going to the US. I hadn't been to America, to be honest, at the point. Um, but we decided to explore the US market and we felt there was a lot of similarities. There was a lot of um, thirst for the similar sort of palette of materials. Uh, and so we said, let's have a go. So we did. So um, we, we started spending some more time. One of the guys who works with me, David, he went and spent a couple of years there just building relationships, learning the market. Um, and it just evolved from there, really. And then we decided to open a showroom, uh, started that, got a year into that, and then COVID happened. And then we're like, oh, we're going to dust our cash here. This isn't going to work. Uh, but it didn't. It actually kept uh, flourishing. So um, yeah, no, it's in a really good place now. So I guess it's important for you to be the reason why you're in each city in Australia. Is it is it just be on the ground to show people the material in real life? I mean, yeah, I mean, our it's model not something you can do all from Sydney. No, well, I mean, our model of our business is really to have um, um, relationship builders. You know, we can call them sales reps, but really they're just passionate people into design, trying to uh, build relationships with architects and designers. So we have that as an all markets, and we tend to lead with that. The showrooms really consolidate that and, and uh, work as a way to help facilitate the relationship between designer, client, contractor. Look, it's been an awesome experience. You know, it's it's really in a good space now, and we're looking at expanding quite a lot more, especially on the west coast. Uh, you know, they're looking for the same things. They're looking for interesting products. They're looking for people who know what they're talking about. They're looking for good service. They're looking for people who are honest, transparent, uh, passionate, engaged, uh, and showing them and inspiring them with new things and responding to their ideas. So it's, you know, it, there's a similar tribe in America. It's similar to what we're doing here. So it doesn't feel that different. Would you then open to other countries as well? We would consider it. Our focus is, you know, I can, you know, I can only focus on so much. I think at the moment we're focused on the West Coast. There's, you know, we can call them in a similar time of the day. Yeah. We feel like there's enough there to focus on at the moment. You know, we, we're keen to push further up into, uh, into Northern uh, California and into up into Seattle. Fantastic architecture going on there. We're also going where there's there's this innovative design going on as well, and it suits what we do. So I guess they have the scale there. They build bigger homes than we do here. They do build up bigger homes. Uh, they build big homes. They tend to have larger footprints, uh, and definitely in California, particularly the kind of blurring of in, you know some of the projects you're seeing, blurring the kind of you know it's, it's, it gets way overused the kind of inside outside kind of blurring. But but I guess the, the lifestyle is similar in that people want to entertain. There there's a sense of being proud and what they're the way they're designing their houses or living in their houses. Uh, so there's definitely some commonality with what we're doing in Australia. And you say before you, obviously, that a lot of, the, a lot of your clients are architects. Yep. Um, there's incredible architecture going on in this country now, I guess more so than ever before. And there seems to be kind of more a desire to design unique and interesting places um, and much more playing with palette and materials, I think, than ever before. What's that? Is that is it COVID or is it prior to that 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 was happening? No, I think it's prior to COVID. I mean, I think just people are trying to be expressive and they're personalising and they're wanting the architecture, the design, the space to be uh, reflective of who they are from a personality perspective. I think people are becoming more and more, definitely in Australia, even potentially more than the US, I think definitely in Australia, the people entertain a lot at their home and, and therefore they see that as a way of, engaging with their friends, engaging with their families, and therefore they're wanting it to be a space where it expresses their personality, I think. And that's why I think people want to 
there's variation and differentiation and kind of experimentation because people are saying, well, this is how I want to do it. I want to do. I want to live differently. I want to entertain this way. So I think definitely people are willing to explore more than ever. When you commissioned Peter Stutchbury, that was a that must have been a great moment because when it'll come up again in a minute, your place, but the material and the space, the kind of the space, the height, the kind of like it's what you said before, the the blurring between outside and inside uh, is incredible. And when you look at it, you just feel like this whole sense of the material is really kind of prominent, yeah. um, comforting, but also really visible. There's no kind of white painted walls and things like that. I don't you know, think. Well, I think when we did, we, look, Pete was an amazing person to work with. I mean, Pete thinks outside the square completely. He, he, he doesn't like looking at Pinterest or Instagram. You know, he's very much uh, qu quite unique and quite creative. Um, yeah, but I think, I think some is. of the things, we, you know, for me, both for Jen and I, my wife, we're very much about uh, longevity, I guess, in terms of design. So for me, you know, our goal was, to, which I think normally should be the goal of us not, but is to how do you build a, a home that will just be there still in 100 years and still relevant. I mean, I'm not a big one for modulation in terms of, you know, build a wall here and you can slide back and you can change it. I'm not really into kind of C-bus lighting where this light switch might change. I'm all about that does that job, this material does that yeah. job, and it should do that job for as long as possible. Uh, and so the you know, in the house we were designed with P. It was the aim was to not have any plaster, have no downlights. Everything was visible. Um, so you, it was sort of honest, I guess, is sort of honesty about the materials and the architecture. So there is nothing sort of uh, hidden. You know, even exposing pipes for lights and um, for conduits, and you know, you, you sort of you, you see what's there and you what's and all. You know, and so if there's a kid's smashed, you know, my eight-year-old rides his bike sometimes inside the house, skates board. <laughs> and, you know, if there's marks on the walls, uh, that's good. You know, but then you've got to make sure the wall still looks good with a mark. You know what I mean? So, yeah. so for me, I, I, I quite like. And, in fact, you know, it was interesting. We used French oak for the joiner, which we built on site with Jeffrey Broadfield, who was an amazing craftsman as well. But, you know, I spoke to the guys in Belgium where we sourced the material, this French oak, and they, they said, no, you don't seal it. You, you let the grease marks and the hand marks build over time. And I kind of like that philosophy that you don't, you know, all the uh, the, uh, the joinery was made out of teak, all the external joinery, but again, we didn't seal it or, or protect it. And it will change and it will evolve. And that's the point, you know, the, and we've used, you know, copper, that will change and evolve. So, if, you know, I'm very much a believer of allowing materials and um, to breathe, to change, to evolve. Um, I love that, you know. Yeah, that's interesting because people in the past, talking to conversations with people, they talk about patina. Yeah. You know, I was like, well, what the hell is patina? For a long time, I didn't understand quite what that meant, mm. apart from something getting older yeah. um, or scuffed. Yeah. But actually, there is beauty in the patina. There's beauty in a natural product evolving through time and through, mm. you know, being exposed to the weather. And that's that was kind of quite cool to see that versus trying to maintain this perfect perfection or keeping a place as it was when it was finished as opposed to evolving over time. I know, I know it sounds kind yeah, of obvious. Yeah, but, 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 but you see, that changes the way you live because if you're wanting to maintain something, you become uptight and, and stressful, right? You know, it's yeah. like, oh, I've got a mark on my bench or I've got a chip on my concrete or, I've, I've, you know, and that's not, for me, that's not, um, that's not how we should live, you know. That, and, and so, you know, for, so obviously, everyone's got different personality types, right? But yeah. but I guess my my uh, personality is how do you have how do you um, 
celebrate things as they get older and change and evolve. You know, it's a bit like my favorite leather jacket or favorite leather bag doesn't look the same as when I bought it. And that's the point. I prefer it more. In fact, I think most bits of furniture, not all, but most of the furniture that we've bought in the past, even for, I've always bought secondhand. Uh, and the reason why is because I kind of want to see how it wore a bit. Yeah. You know, you know I, I, it's not that I'm, you know, it's not that I'm wanting something old. I'm actually just want to see how, how's that weathered three or four years on. Yeah. Because uh, it, it's sort of, it's almost testament to does it have long, a longer life or a longevity. That first scuff is painful, isn't it? That first yeah. mark or whatever. You're like, let someone else wear it in and then I'll have it. Yeah. Well, that, yeah, that, I think that's interesting. That was quite nice because it, it, it is, feels comforting. Was there ever the conversation with Peter around, should we have windows or glass? I mean, was <laughs> how ridiculous did it get with that inside, oh, we went, inside well, outside? Well, well, we went definitely through different iterations because it, the, the, the house is essentially, Peter's vision was really it was build a structure and then basically throw a towel over it so it's got curves. And I, I sort of couldn't live with full curves, so we kind of compromised on sort of squared off curves let's call them you know apple curves you know they're sort of square but with a slight curves um but the um but yeah we and, and but the ends of the house about are massive walls that basically open up and so at one stage they were canvas and then they were glass and then we ended up sitting with timber so that there was a difference so that when you've got the uh, when you've got when you're closed when the doors are closed it feels very different to when you open them and so there is this kind of like again you open the doors and like the the, the whole the house changes you know what I mean? Uh, and so I think, you know, celebra celebrating those moments and sometimes you compromise uh, things like heating or cooling or sometimes buildings leak a bit. Not our building doesn't do any of those things. It, it's performs very well. But in, in general, sometimes you do, you're trading off aesthetics and how you want to live with um, comfort or perfection or kind of, so, you know, it's just, I guess, holding these um, different elements together you know and i guess yeah would you I come back to how do you want to live you know do you want to live yeah, up yeah. tight or do you want to kind of live in a, a space that can can evolve and change and grow you know yeah I and mean, obviously the environment around you is important uh you wouldn't be doing that if you're living in you know places like minus 40 in no. the winter necessarily but peter stutchbury he's like one of the world's leading living architects yeah um lives literally a mile away from your place. So he's... Lives opposite the coffee van you were talking yeah, about exactly. on the headland. Yeah. So understanding, he clearly understood and understands that particular environment, the light, the air, the first thing we did with Peter was we, we started his house and we walked down the beach and we got there and he, and he, he took a very, said a much more indigenous approach and said, okay, well, if, we've, if we're camping on this site where would we camp where's the light where's the where's the breeze where's the airflow uh which is an interesting approach is also about it's uh um similar to what we're doing with the showroom similar to you know it's how do you with and pete's designs are all very very different they're very unique because he very much he's looking about the location and the space as well as the client and how they want to live as well as uh how do i create something that's fresh and new and 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 then to how do i use materials that are kind of unique and different so I think responding to a location is critical. And in Sydney, very critical because obviously it's got such varied uh, topography and geography. Yeah, absolutely. How do you find your team? How, how do you go about finding the, the kind of the key members in your business? Oh, and culturally, ways. you know, cult I'm not saying I'm going to, for people to kind of start hacking in, nicking no. your people, but um, like just because obviously there was an eco outdoor. Vibe. vibe, yeah. Cult, some people say it's yeah, a cult yeah, vibe. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, you know, it, it, mainly it's, you know, the, I'm always looking for people who are passionate. I don't care if they're into what they're into as long as they're really into it. So if they're into 
food, they're really into food, and they're into if they're into dogs, they know everything about dogs, and they're really into dogs. Whatever they're into, because for me, passion you can't teach, right? You can you can you can steer it, but you can't create it. Uh, and so for me, all all various ways. So you, lots of people from us come out of hospitality. Why do I like hosp- people out of hospitality? They love people, and they're into stuff, and they work hard. Basically, you know what I mean, and and for me, it's our you know what we try to do at Eco is how do we just steer that and kind of say okay, let's introduce him to design and introduce him to architecture, introduce him to palette, color, tone, texture, and I think passion. I think interest grows, but you have to be have this inherent desire to learn, to be curious. So that's what we kind of look for. So that, therefore, that means you look in all different ways. So yeah, lots out of hospitality, some people out of design. Typically, no one who's sold architectural services before they tend to not be the who we go after so um yeah did you notice a change in people uh during and after covid in terms of them specifying your material did that change at all uh employees or, or, or you the, no just uh, you know your products and and people commissioning or utilizing your products no i don't think there's been uh, no i i wouldn't see there's been a, a drastic shift i think the um i think I think definitely people said they're spending more time at home and people are looking at, uh, so they're happy to invest more and, and in terms of, um, I don't mean by that financially, but just in terms of thinking through how they're going to use space. You know, am I going to work from home? How, how am I going to use the space? So I think a, a greater emphasis on, and I, I think there's also a degree of people, I don't know whether it's less people feeling like it's a, a flipping real estate money-making thing and more of a shift to, I'm going to spend a lot of time more at home, so let's make sure I love it and I'm into it. You know, so. And what's your approach to sustainability? You know, sustainability for me is a, it's, it's almost like a value that you have that's intrinsic. And how do you personalise sustainability for me as a person and for all the employees and for the business, and also structurally within the business? So, you know, from a product development perspective, absolutely, it's fundamental to who we are. You know, it comes down to how we source materials. So, in terms of if we're taking stone out of the ground, uh, or we're using wood, you know, is are we revegetation or other supplies or quarries we're working with? Are they revegetation? Where are they taking it from? Is it sustainable? Sustainable. Then the manufacturing, making sure that we're looking at the way energy is being used in the production process and the uh, the reuse of water. It's water and energy is really important. Actually, probably eighty percent of our factories now are all using solar, which is terrific. Um, then we then we break it and look at packaging. So how do we minimise plastics and how do we have use uh, packaging? And you always get this tension. You know, you wanted to get products delivered to site that are. That are in good good shape, but you've got to so you so you've got to have some packaging, but you don't want to have packaging that's more sustainable. So we look at from packaging, and then probably from transport. How do we get uh, the materials to the site with the least amount of uh, transport? And what I mean by that is fuel usage. So often sea freight will be our place where we try to minimise road freight. So we're kind of tending to looking for how do we keep things from sea freight because it's a lot lower use of. Um, per square meterage or per kilogram than, say, road freight. So we sort of look at from that. But I think even beyond that, and then obviously within our in our business in terms of what we do within it, in our office environments, in our showroom environments, but I guess where I'm trying to move our business towards is where how do we personalise it for every employee so they make decisions at the micro level. Because I feel like otherwise, you know, sometimes I feel like people, can, you can make a statement or you can make a, 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 even a, a goal and I think setting goals are important but I think then how do you actually it's a bit like setting a goal for, or a vision for a business you can say you know we want to for our business you know, can have a BHAG or you can say we want to lead the world in the supply of architectural services and uh, you can have all that but 
what normally underpins that is values, you know, uh, which is the way you go about it, which is a lot of the small decisions that actually uh, personalise that for people. And so I guess for me, what we're trying to do as a business, how do we, how do we personalise that for individuals within the business? Yeah, yeah. And your products are, because they're natural, they're designed, they'll last forever too. Oh, totally. You know, essentially, you know, our carbon footprint's relatively low in the sense that we're taking uh, raw materials from the ground and moving them back to the ground somewhere else. We're just relocating them really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we don't really use that much energy in the fabrication material. So in, and they're good thermally, all those sort of things. But I, I think the thing is, I think the main thing is more about. I almost feel like sustainability is is more like it's almost got to be in, inherent in the way we think day to day, and then I think then I think you make a change. You know what I mean? And then I think and everybody attaches to that. So every person within our business, have we come in contact with, has that uh, as a kind of core value, and they're making small decisions which really make build up to a much much larger uh, impact. Niku the other day, as head of your brand, uh, made me laugh by saying you've gone from delivering pebbles on the back of a ute to having a globally recognized brand. Yeah. How does that make you feel? Oh, there's more to do. <laughs> no, I don't really think, I don't really, look, for me, I don't really, you know, I met a guy last night at a rowing dinner with my sons and he was a builder and I said to him who I was and he goes, oh, you've used your products in my house, I'm moving to next week. And I always say, was it a good experience? Did we look after you? Uh, what did you like about it? So for me, I'm always looking at how we can improve. I, I, I don't really look at competitors too much and I don't really look at what we've achieved. I'm feeling like there's a lot more to do, a lot more to improve, a lot um more things we can push into. So I kind of don't look in reverse that way. No, no, that's cool. Did you see that you mentioned ASOP before? Yeah. Did you see yesterday on the news that it sold for three billion? Yeah. Um, that's incredible, isn't it? The guy that started it sold it for six hundred. No, sixty-sixty-two million, I think. Uh, yeah, I was living. In, I was living in Melbourne uh, 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 when ASOP. It was quite. It was quite. A, it's interesting about that. You know, it was quite a small brand for quite a long time, yeah. um, but it had quite a clear identity, quite a clear ethos. Uh, I don't think the packaging's changed. Maybe it has, but I don't think it has. I think the packaging's the same. Um, but, the, you know, even their store design's interesting. I was reading an article the other day about the way each store, it's slower to build, it's harder to build the way they design what they do because every showroom's unique and yeah. different and they're using an architect and it's very influenced by design and really, yeah, yeah. but that, that is their marketing, you know, essentially. Yeah. Uh, so there's some similarities to it for us, which yeah, is quality uh, product. Yeah, quality product. Focus on the product, focus on design, focus on uh, your clients. And, you know, people. when you talk to people who about ASOP, they love it. You know, they really do love ASOP. So, and for me, uh, you know, in fact, I had a, a supplier of Morocco, Gilles and his partner, She's like, oh, I love Aesop. And this is someone in Morocco and living in Fez who's uh, uh, loves the brand. And, and and which is, I guess, what I'm, we're trying to do all the time. Is how do you ignite passion for people where they're like, I love what you guys do. So that's what gets me excited. Every time I hear someone who hasn't had a good experience, I'm like, well, we've got to do that better. Because that's, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. that's what we're about. Um, how do you stay on top of your your game then I mean, in terms of your in your field? I mean, have you got many competitors? Like I said, I don't really look at our competitors. Yeah, okay, we do, we, right. we, we, so we do have competitors. You don't look of back. Course. You don't look competitors. No, no, well, no, <laughs> I, no. The thing is, we, of course, we have competitors. But the issue for us is, you know, we're, you know, when I'm not focused on cheaper, and I'm, we're not being focused on being uh, bigger necessarily, but um, we're focused on how we be better. Uh, and so for me, that's what drives us. You know, from a service perspective, from a product perspective, from a. Experience, 
employee experience perspective, from a showroom perspective, every time we do a showroom, it's got to be better than the last one. The, this product's to be better than the last. So for me, it's, it's a continual, continual drive to kind of improve the business, but also the brand and the products we sell, really. So it's interesting for a lot of people I talk to and I've experienced, and myself included, there's passion about their business and, and what they're doing and their culture, et cetera. Um, it's really hard to switch off. Like you said, the I, weekends I, you know, I don't do business, I don't talk business or whatever. Um, how do you do that? Because that's actually well, it's I, not that easy. I, I, I say I don't do it. I don't do it in a structured oh, here way. Here we go. No, no, I, I literally don't do it in a structured yeah. way. But for, but for me, it's like I always say to people who come and work with us, it's like it was funny. We actually had a sales conference in Avalon about uh, three weeks ago. We had brought sixty-five salespeople from around the world all in, and um, we were walking down the street and everyone's looking on the floor and they're looking at the walls and I said, that's what we're breeding. We're breeding lunatics who are just <laughs> focused on. So for me, it's, you know, you, you never switch off. So if like for me, but I don't switch my head off ever anyway, just in terms of looking. So you're always inquiring, being curious, looking. So that never stops. So that's the, uh, but I don't see this, but it means you have to, I think, so have some boundaries around structured meetings. You don't want to work on weekends. I don't want to look at emails. You know, that, that's, that's, you know, kind of limit that otherwise you don't have time to look around really. yeah and what do you do for your wellness then do you exercise i mean i know you swim don't you yeah well COVID was great i was swimming every day in the ocean but uh, that stopped um yeah I, I play footy every monday uh i try and do a bit of sport you know it's hard to keep you know it's, it's still busy three boys there i'm an uber driver when i'm not working i'm an uber <laughs> driver really driving the kids around to sporting events to be honest but um oh, well it's a bit of balance you know uh you know i uh i try to be f- active basically um and you know i'm always traveling for my job as well but i try and balance that you know in terms of you know because i think for me travel is much about learning as it is sourcing it's actually just finding you know you know new new ideas you know what's your favorite material if you say i have one rock or whatever things is the stone you've used in your house of course no um <laughs> i don't think i have one really. oh, come on what's you got to have some favorites do you, is there anything in your house? Oh, I'm really excited. I am really excited. Oh. I can tell you what I'm excited about. Oh, here we go. So we're, 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 I'm excited because um, we're we're actually – okay, so one of the things we're doing at the moment, we're focusing on bricks and how do we do bricks differently, you know. And the the trends we're seeing are people wanting to use facing bricks. Some people call them slips, but they're thin bricks as well as, opposed, as, well as full bricks but and long format. But we're just exploring with using uh, basalt which is a volcano, and then we glaze it. So it's a bit like a zillage tile with your hand. So we're taking an approach of uh, a, a typical um, uh, Mediterranean approach of glazing terracotta, but applying that to a basalt, and you then get these beautiful translucent colours coming through this raw, imperfect stone, so you get little holes and colours. So at the moment, I'm excited about that product and what that can do. When does that come out? Oh, this year, yeah, we're pushing it. So uh, you know, so again, this, you know, and this process is collaborative. So we're working with a with a uh, in this case, we're working with a Moroccan guy, Gilles, and he's a bit mad. He's a bit like me. So we basically get <laughs> off on products, and we're like, oh, how do we get this color? And Chloe and the team he works with in the business. So how do we bring this product and do it differently? And you know, what colors work best? What what formats work best for this? We think it, there's a lot of because you know, there's history in Melbourne with bluestone and basalt. There's and also so, but then it's how do you take that in a new way? So that's I guess for me, I'm always excited about the next thing as again you know you say what am i excited about i'm always excited about the new products we're developing we're playing with glass bricks i'm excited in what we're doing with that as well yeah when you do you ever feel like you've made the wrong decision like for if for example in your house 
is there anything in that house that bugs you that you go, damn it, I wish I had used uh, a different material or a different handle or mm, whatever? No, not in the, not in our house. My, my, my middle son, It'd be a hard Fer- thing my to middle do. son Fergus, is always telling me, why did you not put doors in our bedrooms? And I said, that's <laughs> quite deliberate. <laughs> oh um, my God. So there's no Poor kids. They, they kind of live like in a dorm sort of space. <laughs> Fergus is like, how am I going to have privacy? And I said, well, that was the point. Dad, can we have lights, please? I yeah. mean, we got we got windows in there or not? Like, yeah, they got windows. They got windows. Uh, no, no, I, no, no, look, I don't think, I, no, I'm actually really happy. With me. I think me and Jen love the house. <laughs> and I don't think there's anything we'd really change. And to be honest, we haven't really changed much. And But I would I'd do something differently next time, absolutely. You know, so I wouldn't, uh, for me, it's not like you would replicate. It's just like that was a point in time with a particular aesthetic, a p- particular, and will it last? Hopefully, I think in 50 years, hopefully my boys will still love it. Um, it's still relevant. But you keep moving. So I guess for me, it's like, uh, it's you know, I don't like to repeat. Uh, and so the same things with products, you know, as with architecture. That's why I love Pete. You know, Stutchbury, he's, there's, uh, you know, he's, there's not much repetition. No. There's, there's elements, that, there's threads, uh, but for me, it's it's how do you keep the the conversation moving and the vernacular, the design, the ideas. So, so, and I, and I guess that's the thing for me for products. So like, I'm we're constantly developing products, uh, and you know, people say, how do you make stone sexy or do, well? You think you just try and think about it a bit differently. So. Um, yeah, it's 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 interesting that, isn't it? I mean, uh, it'd be interesting to see how your boys that living in that that kind of style with no doors on their bedrooms, you know, um, how that affects their life going forward. That kind of freedom, the flow, the airflow, the you know, that kind of you're kind of much closer to nature. You feel like you're. Oh well, I, 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 look. The, the main role at Goal and that was really about community. You know, if, you know, for me, you know, we, we're not um, islands, and I want my boys to. Uh, to learn how to get on with each other and and to be transparent and you know so you know, of course this solitude is important in life but there's also an element of you know transparency I think is really important community is really important so you know um, you know we have a shared office at work, at our workplace in Waterloo so you know a lot of things for me you know personal things values you have translate into professional translate into brand you know I love I don't know if you've looked at Trek Trek are an amazing bike company and yeah, yeah. Their, their values. Their values of what they talk about internally, as well as the products they build, is they're the same, you know. And so, and there is, and I, and I'm very much that belief, you know. The, the brand, the philosophy of the business, the culture, the way you live personally, the way you treat your kids. For me, they should be unified. Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't think they're not. They become a bit schizophrenic and a bit kind of. Uh, yeah, you know, so I, I, I guess they're holistic in, for me. It's, you know, that's what I desire to how I desire to live. Yeah. Do I do it all well, the time? No, probably not. But that's what I desire to do. Well, that kind of answers my question. How have you designed your life? It kind of sounds like you have. It's designing. It's in progress. Okay. Yeah. Right. So yeah. it's not 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 finished. So for me, it's like it's still an evolution. Cool. Lovely answer. Ben, thank you so much for being on the on the show today. Thank you. Thanks very much. Thanks for listening in to today's episode with Ben Kerr, founder and CEO of Eco Outdoor. Tune in to the next episode where I catch up with inspiring architect and director of Fieldwork Architects, Queen O'Holland. Thanks for listening to this episode of Design Your Life. If you'd like to find out more about how you can design your life, head to the website at designyourlife.com.au. If you found this episode inspiring, please don't forget to review and subscribe.
If you have any ideas or like to get in touch, we would love to hear from you. Send us an email at hello at frostcollective.com.au.